The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, guys? This is the Talking to Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Livesy, joined by my co-host today, Joey Ikes. And by the time this podcast hits your ears, we'll be a little more than 24 hours away from the 2023 NFL Draft. And Joey, we uh, we made it here, man. We're, we're, we're here. It's pretty much here. Are you ready? Yeah, you know, one, one more sleep, as they say. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's pretty safe to say I'm ready. You know, it's one of those where we... We've been going through this journey together for going on, I guess, two, two and a half months now. And we uh, it's going to be fun to go from talking about what it could look like to here over the course of the next week, talking about what did go down and what did happen and uh, how the uh, Cowboys specifically for us made themselves better and uh, and what what that looks like going forward. Yeah, no doubt. So so what we're going to do today on the show is we're going to, you know, we're going to keep this a little bit more wide span of of a topic, but we're also going to kind of tie it into what Dallas is going to be looking at and, you know, projecting and what they'll be doing at 26 overall. But we're going to go through a full first round mock draft with, I say all 32 teams, there's only 31 picks this year because Miami forfeited theirs. Thanks, Tom Brady. But um, we're going to go through and alternate picks. So what we're going to do is Joey is going to start with the Panthers. Uh, we're going to use the PFF mock draft simulator and we're going to do this as what we think is going to happen on draft day uh, based on kind of just the the themes, what we're hearing, what, you know, the the beat writers and what our you know Twitter friends are kind of suggesting what's going to happen. So we're kind of got to go pick by pick and see how this bad boy is going to play out um, from our point of view of what we think is going to happen and then how that can impact the Cowboys at 26. Um, so, Joey, you uh, you made a monster trade up to get the first overall pick. Um, with the Chicago Bears, and uh, you are on the clock. Yeah, scared money don't make money, except <laughs> for the fact that when you asked me if I wanted to start or wanted you to start, I said, <laughs> I'll go first so I don't have to pick who Houston's going to pick, and I also don't have to make the pick for the Cowboys if I'm picking the odd numbers. So uh, I think at this point the uh, consensus opinion 
is that the uh, the Carolina Panthers are going to pick Bryce Young first overall. Um, I don't think there's all that much analysis that's required there. Um, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the country for the last two years on one of the best teams in the country. Um, had two different sets of circumstances his last two years there and played incredibly well in both. Um, so it's uh, pretty safe to say that when he gets to Carolina with a pretty good offensive line and uh, and some decent talent around him on the offensive side of the ball, uh, he's going to have a chance to be a uh, be a pretty good player there for Carolina. Bryce Young is now the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. We'll see if old Frank Wright can can get him on track and get him rolling. All right, so I am picking for the Houston Texans at two. And I'm going against the consensus here. You cannot convince me that Houston, who has a pick at two and a pick at 12, isn't just going to take their quarterback at two. If they don't, I feel sorry for him. Um, I'm going to go with C.J. Stroud here. And as much as I do think that there's been a lot of smokescreen regarding C.J. Stroud over the last couple weeks, I mean, I'm with you. Like, I think Bryce Young's probably the number one overall pick, too. But it's – or the number one overall pick. I I do think C.J. Stroud is the second-best quarterback in this draft by a relatively wide margin – and I think Houston would be silly. They have another pick at 12. They can get a good defender. They can get an offensive lineman. They can get a receiver. Whatever other position that they are thinking about targeting here with the number two overall pick, while it won't be Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, whoever that is, they can still get a very good player at 12 overall um, and, and trade up for a guy if they need to because they have plenty of draft capital over these next two drafts. So I, I'm going C.J. Stroud here. I think there's been a lot of – Rumors, and a lot of those rumors could have been started by the Indianapolis Colts, uh, by the Raiders, by some of these teams who were hoping a C.J. Stroud fall can happen um, so they can, you know, land the second-best quarterback, maybe not at that, you know, two-spot or have to trade up, but so far. So I'm going to I'm gonna buy into the smoke screen that, that maybe some of these teams are putting out there on C.J. Stroud, and I'm going to give Houston the, the second-best quarterback in this this class and a guy who I think can have a really good career in the NFL. So C.J. Stroud is the second overall pick to Houston. Joey, you're on the clock yeah. in Arizona. Yeah, well, I, I will say we can do trades if you want to. <laughs> yeah, on that on that C.J. Stroud pick to Houston, I don't think you're wrong in, in barking up the quarterback tree, but something that I thought about, maybe it was because I heard Robert Mays and Nate Tice mention it, so Bobby Slowick and D'Amico Ryans both come from the San Francisco line of coaches from the Shanahan coaching, you know, tree at this point is what it is. It's a forest almost at this point. Um, and over the course of the last few years, you know, there's all the talk about the S2 testing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. San Francisco has been one of the teams that has leaned very heavily into the idea of the S2 test. Um, and, you know, they talk about Brock Purdy having tested in incredibly well in that and that's one reason why they feel like he had the opportunity he was able to be so successful um you know whether you buy into that i i don't really know enough about the test to be able to have a big judgment about that but another piece of that shanahan tree is the mcveigh side of that tree which liam cohen who was the offensive coordinator at kentucky in 2021 and is now back there in 2023 comes from that same tree and ran basically that a, ver- a college version of that offense 
at Kentucky with Will Levis at the helm in 2021, which is where all of Will Levis's hype built up coming into this past season. So I think that there's a chance that it's quarterback there. I think there's a chance, and I think the betting markets are starting to reflect that. I think there's a chance it's Will Levis there at number two, which would not be the right pick in my opinion. But like you said, if you're going to get a quarterback, you're gonna you need to do it at two if you're gonna do one here. And I I think that I think CJ Stroud is the right pick. I think Will Levis is probably will, will be on the radar there for them. Um yeah. for the Cardinals, um, this is maybe the worst roster in football. Um, and I think in terms of adding talent, adding um a culture creator um who's gonna come in and be the you know will be Jason Garrett here and say the right kind of guy to build your team around on the defensive side of the ball. I'm gonna go with Will Anderson Jr. here um to uh to the Cardinals. I don't think with everything going on around their organization right now, they will sign up for whatever it is that comes with or could potentially come with drafting Jalen Carter in terms of maturity questions and all that kind of stuff. With everything they're dealing with with the quarterback. You don't want to have the two highest drafted people on your team be guys you're worried about maturity-wise um, between the quarterback and the defensive lineman. So I'm going to go Will, Will Anderson there at number three, uh, and I think that uh, the the Colts are probably feeling pretty good about things here at this point. Yeah, you, you, no interest in trading for if you're the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, I think in in real life they probably will. I I think unless you're going, unless you're just trading with. Indianapolis at four or maybe even Seattle at five. Um, I I think the opportunity to get Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, specifically Will Anderson here is too much okay. to pass up for a team that already has a quarterback and really yeah. needs difference makers I mean, anywhere I mean, on a, the field. In a perfect world, they get on the phone with Indy and go, Hey, we're getting calls from Vegas, you know, come, come up, get your guy. We'll get, we'll still get our guy at four. You know, we're not going to kill you on, you know, give give us a second rounder this year and a second rounder next year or something like that. You know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll call it even. <laughs> exactly. Give give me a a second rounder and a fifth rounder, or a second rounder and a yeah. fourth rounder this year, and we'll call it a day. And you know, just that's probably an easy move for Indy to justify, and it gets uh, Arizona the same player with a little bit of extra value tossed in. All right, so Indy's sitting here at four. They have the pick between Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, and I, I think. It's tough because I think Will Levis has been rumored to be the guy that they like the most, but also I've heard some stuff that, I, you know, I think I heard it on the, the Robert Mays Athletic Show today that maybe their beat reporter that was on with them said that maybe he's hearing that Will Levis isn't as in favor with that front office as many are being led to believe. But... I just feel like Will Levis is more the fit for Indy than a guy like Anthony Richardson. Like Indy didn't really show any interest in the Lamar Jackson stuff. And maybe that's just because they didn't want to, you know, do the deal for Baltimore, whatever that was, it was being rumored, but maybe they just value while Will Levis is still a fine athlete and a guy who can make plays with his legs. Maybe they just value that Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz style, of guy who, you know, is, is going to be more of a pocket guy than a guy who's going to win with his legs. Um, it hasn't worked out for him really recently. So maybe they need to kind of pivot and go in a different direction. But I will say that Indy will take Will Levis with the fourth overall pick. I know he's, you mentioned it, but he's kind of jolted up the the betting boards here recently is, you know, going in that top five picks. Um, so it sounds like maybe somebody, uh, 
somebody that that runs those sports books is getting some good information that Will Levis is, you know, either going to be looked at at Houston, going to be looked at in Indianapolis, or going to be looked at as a trade up, you know, for a Las Vegas or something like that. So, Will Levis, you're an Indianapolis Colt. Seattle, Joey, you're on the clock. This one's probably yeah. I think for I think for Seattle, um, we know the way their defense. Their uh, I'm going to spoil a little bit there with that word. We know the way their coaching staff, their front office thinks about football. Um, I think if Jalen Carter gets to number five, I think they're going to pick Jalen Carter. I think there will be some people within that organization that say, you know, maybe we should consider finding a uh, a Geno heir. But I think the talent with Jalen Carter will be too much to pass up. They'll feel like they can bring him into their locker room, that Pete Carroll can guide him in the right direction, and that they will be able to um, they'll be able to get the most out of Jalen Carter playing on the interior of that defensive line um, with what Pete Carroll likes to do on defense. So I think Jalen Carter is the pick at five if he gets there, unless there's somebody who wants to come up now that there's three quarterbacks gone. Now I I didn't make the trade because I I don't I think the talent's too good, but unless you know, Tennessee wants to come up from 11 and pick, you know, Anthony Richardson before this run of teams coming up here over the course of the next few picks or somebody like that wants to come up. I think that it has the potential to to take place, but I, uh, I'm i going to go with Jalen Carter. All right, so let me ask you, you're picking for Tennessee coming up. Do you have any interest in coming up to six here with Detroit? Um. If I'm Tennessee, you got the Raiders picking right in for, behind you at seven. It, it's likely they are looking at maybe drafting a quarterback. I, I think if I'm Tennessee, I'm going to wait because okay. I think that I I don't personally. I think there's a big difference between Anthony Richardson and like a Hendon Hooker. I don't know that the league sees it that way. I think they probably feel like once Hendon Hooker's healthy, he'll be ready to play, and it won't take him. There's not as much they probably feel like there's not as much of a margin for error or a room for error um, with, with hooker as there is with, uh, with Richardson. Gotcha. All right. Well then I'm going to stick here and pick um, the Detroit secondary is pretty disgusting right now after trading Jeff Okuda. Uh, they're starting uh, left cornerback is Cam Sutton. They're starting right cornerback is Chase Lucas and they're starting slot um cornerback right now is a guy like Emmanuel Mosley um so they don't have anything that's just a sure thing um they have a decent safety room with Afatu Melifonwu, CJ Gardner-Johnson, Tracy Walker, Kirby Joseph um so I think they're going to pick the best best corner on the board here um for me that would be Christian Gonzalez but I think Devin Witherspoon's been tied to them quite a bit um he's also a betting favorite to go you know a lot earlier than I think a lot of people have him projected um, so I'm going to go with Devin Witherspoon, the Illinois corner here uh, for Detroit at the sixth overall pick. And I think while I have Christian Gonzalez as my corner one, I think Devin Witherspoon is a hell of a player and is a hell of a fit for Detroit. Um, he's tough. He's physical. Um, good cover guy. Plays well against the run. Just doesn't have quite the physical or athletic traits that some of these other guys have. But, man, I think he's going to be a really good football player. Um, can move inside and out. Um, just think he fits really, really well with Detroit and, and what Dan Campbell is, is looking to do with that defense and build around. So Devin Witherspoon, Illinois, to Detroit with the sixth overall pick. Joey, the Raiders are on the clock. 
The, yeah, the Raiders are on the clock, and uh, this is a this is an interesting spot here because I think this is probably this is probably the floor for that fourth quarterback. And uh, and yeah. uh, or is this the third quarter? This is the floor no, for no. Anthony Richardson or um, or Will. Uh, yeah, it is the fourth because yeah, we took we took quarterbacks went one two yeah, and then Levis went four. So uh, this is probably the floor for Anthony Richardson right here, where. Uh, especially with Jimmy Garoppolo in place, and you know the roster is kind of in a really funky spot in uh, in Oakland or in Oakland in Vegas. They have uh, they have Devonte Adams, and that's kind of it. <laughs> and, and so with, with Jimmy Garoppolo in place, um, I think it makes sense to pick uh, a guy here that especially if they don't have a lot of picks coming up, they need to go ahead and get the quarterback. So I think, I think they take Anthony Richardson right here. It is a weird spot for them though. Cause like you said, like they need a lot of help in a lot of different places on offense and defense. And while you hope that you're not dealing with having a top 10 pick again, it's kind of like, man, do we go offensive line? Do we go, you know, with one of these defenders who who's starting to fall a little bit, like it's a tough spot because it's, they're just not a good roster um, outside of, like you said, Devontae Adams and a few players at Max Crosby, some of those guys on defense, but they could go so many different directions, but you're kind of looking at it like, okay, you know, are we really going to buy into Jimmy Garoppolo being here for multiple years? Probably not. So let's make sure we get a guy that we feel good going forward with after this year. Um, and this p- takes us to pick eight, which I think is very interesting um, because Atlanta's kind of carrying themselves this offseason like they feel like they're closer than I think a lot of people believe. Um, They need also, you know, we're in the market for a quarterback, you know, so while I don't think this happens, like I don't think you can totally rule out a Hendon Hooker selection here, you know, because if they like Hendon Hooker, if they love Hendon Hooker, they're not going to hope that he makes it to him in the second round. You know, they're going to take him in eighth overall. Yeah. so I, I'm not going that route, but I think that that's an option that needs to be talked about a little bit more because it wouldn't absolutely stun me if they uh, if they look to go that way. Um, they're 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 kind of riding with Desmond Ritter right now, and and they might look to do the veteran option if he doesn't work out. But the other option that we we keep talking about, we keep seeing brought up, and we keep seeing mentioned is Bijan Robinson here. Um, I don't really, I mean, again, I love B. John Robinson, the player, but I don't really understand it here because I like their running backs and what they have there. I don't think that that's a spot they need to really look towards. Um, but for me, maybe I'm maybe I'm speaking a little bit more with my brain here than I am with their brain because, it, it, I mean, truly it seems like B. John Robinson might be the betting favorite to be the Falcons pick here at eight overall. And while I can't bring myself to do that, Maybe I'm I'm not playing the game fairly, but I'm going to look uh, at defensive end here. Um, you know, they have decent guys there um, in Atlanta to play defensive end. They signed Calais Campbell this offseason. Um, Bud Dupree's also there. But, I mean, it's just nothing really from a depth standpoint behind them to get you all that excited. So I'm going to go with Tyree Wilson, um, the Texas Tech Ed Rusher, who's fallen way down the board for PFF. He is now their 28th prospect, 28th rate prospect. So he's not really on the, the board for them anywhere close here. But I think Tyree Wilson's size, his versatility, move inside and out, be a pass rusher, and his traits that kind of scream, hey, in, in a couple of years, this guy could be a really you know big difference maker. Um, is still going to have him draft in the top 10. 
I think he'll be a good fit for Atlanta. He can do some of those things, move Grady Jarrett around a little bit. He can play off the edge, uh, can play with his hand down. He can do multiple roles for that defense. So I'm going to go with Tyree Wilson here with the eighth overall pick. Um, and I do think that B. John Robinson maybe is going to be the pick, but I just I don't see how they can go B. John Robinson when they have Tyler Alger, uh Algier, who had a good year for them last year, and Cordell Patterson, who had a good year for them the year before last. Like, they have two good running backs on the roster, so it just seems kind of like an overkill to spend a top-10 pick on another runner. Yeah, I mean, it's my, – my thoughts on the running back early in the draft thing are, are you know, relatively well-known at this point. Um, but I do think if there is a landing spot in the top-10 picks for Bijan, it is at number eight with Atlanta – um, and I also think, you know, I think that if Tyree Wilson gets to, you know, six, he's a pretty darn good fit opposite of um, opposite of Aiden Hutchison in Detroit. Um, if they decide not to take the big swing on a quarterback or something like that. Um, so the, Tyree Wilson is by nature of him being down the board a little bit for PFF got a little neglected in my mind, to be honest with you. Um, but, uh, but he's, uh, he's definitely a guy who's going to wind up going in this top 10 or 12 picks. He, I mean, and we, we've heard as high as, you know, number two overall to Houston, if they decide not to take quarterback, they could go with Tyree Wilson. So I, I don't think that's a crazy pick at all. Chicago, I think is a relatively easy pick at this point with the way the board has gone. Um, I think it's Peter Skoronsky. Um, there are questions about whether he can play tackle, whether he should play guard. They need tackle help. They need a right tackle in a very, very bad way, but really overall, they just need a, they need offensive line help. And so even if he's a one-year option at right tackle and they wind up drafting an upgrade at right tackle and he moves inside, um, he's a really good offensive lineman. And when you are uh, trying to build a team around a, a young quarterback, having several really good offensive linemen is not a bad way to do it. And combined with the value they got from trading out of the number one pick, uh, adding DJ Moore, I think adding a guy like Peter Skaronsky makes a lot of sense. Peter Skaronsky is going to be the pick at number nine. I like it. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see if it kind of stunned me, but if Darnell Wright's the pick there, he he's end up, ends up being the first offensive tackle off the board. And that might be more of a, you know, because of the need standpoint, like Darnell Wright probably has the best right tackle tape out of anybody in this class and, you know, can play guard. So I wonder if maybe they look to to draft the pure right tackle. But, I mean, Peter Skronsky is really good. Um, can play. Yeah, that was that thought went – that exact thought went through my head. Of, do I just take Darnell Wright here because the right. fit is just perfect? Like the – it's right. very hat on hat. Like we need a right tackle. He's a really good right tackle. Do we just take him? But it comes back to Peter Skoronsky can play offensive tackle, and he is objectively an overall better player at this point than um, than Darnell Wright is. So we're going to take Peter Skoronsky instead. Yeah, no, I like it. I mean, I, I think I think his versatility. We've talked about it with a lot of guys, but his versatility to play inside out. You know, his he's just. He's kind of, I mean, people might freak out when I say this, but he's kind of like the Michael Mayer of offensive linemen where it's like, he's just going to be a really good player. Like he, he, you know, he's got the higher ceiling, the all pro, you know, potential ceiling at, at guard. But I think whether it's guard or tackle, he's going to be a dude who just, he's solid anywhere he is. He's going to be consistent for you. He's not going to have those up and down moments for you. So I like Skaronsky a lot. And I think his fit in, Fitting um, Chicago is a really good fit for them because it allows them to start to kind of rebuild some things and get back on track, um, which is something they need to do to figure out, you know, hey, is 
is Justin Fields a guy for us, or are we going to have to start pivoting and um, look at options down the road there? Yes, absolutely. All right. Um, Philly at 10, I have the Philadelphia Eagles pick. This one's tough because I think we talked about Bijan at, at eight. We talked about, you know, Bijan being a fit with Philly, and I think he is. But, man, I just they just don't seem to make these type of moves. Nope. For, which I would I, – I mean, again, like, it never makes sense, but I almost would understand it for Philly here because – of how good their roster is, how I mean, we said this about Kansas City a few years, and we saw how that planned out. But if Philly took Bijan at ten, I would go. I maybe probably would not have done that, but I understand it for them because of how their offense is built, how much more scarier it just got with him. Um, but I think with their holes on the defensive line, that's one of the few places they do have some holes. Um, they lost uh, Hargrave in, in free agency. So right now they have Jordan Davis and Fletcher Cox slotted slotted in as their two starters. Jordan Davis dealt with some injury stuff last year and isn't a guy who's going to play a absolute boatload of snaps. Um, And then Fletcher Cox is slotted in as the other starter. Um, They also have Milton Williams, Marlon Tupalutu, and Kentavious Street on their roster. Um, But I think think they're going to look at defensive line here. Um, And I'm going to kind of knock out the two birds with one stone. I don't love this pick, but I I think it's one that's been – slotted to them a lot and that's Lucas Van Ness um out of Iowa um he fits an edge role for them he fits an under tackle role for them and it's a guy that you can put inside outside um some stuff we kind of mentioned with Tyree Wilson he's kind of the you know great value brand version of that I think that you know that that makes a lot of sense for them because you know they have Josh Sweat they have Hassan Reddick Derek Barnett's still there. Brandon Graham's still there, but they don't have a ton of uh, depth there at the edge position. And then they don't have a ton of depth there uh, at that three technique spot either. So I think Lucas Van Nex can kind of uh, knock two birds out with one stone um, and can, can be a guy who plays multiple roles for them on that defense. So Lucas Van Ness, you are a Philadelphia Eagle. I hope you have a horrible career. And and cowboy cowboy fans everywhere do a do a little happy dance under the table and throw their pins fake on top of the table because um that that's one you're okay with I think if if Philly makes that pick and I, I love the point you made about they Philly just does not make those kind of picks like in 14 years Howie has only ever picked quarterback offensive line defensive line a wide receiver in the first round like those are the only four picks he's ever made in the first round that will be where he picks um, and I think Lucas Van Ness fits what they'll be looking for from a positional standpoint, as well as, you know, the measurables and all that kind of stuff. All right. 11 is going to be interesting because this is one of those, Hey, it could be a Hendon hooker landing spot if they are, you know, cause that guy doesn't have to play right away because Tannehill is still there. Um, he doesn't have to play right away, um, which would fit Hendon hooker, you know, potentially missing the season because of the, the injury and all that kind of stuff. But I think Mike Vrabel, Ohio State, they want to, with the way they want to play football, I think they probably pick Paris Johnson here. Um, they, they just let go of Taylor DeWan, who has been the left tackle there for a long time. Um, they're going to wind up having to pick a quarterback at some point, you know, in the next couple of years. But they'll probably look at that chance to lock down the left tackle position for another eight, nine, ten years like they did with Luan. And for a new 
GM coming in, his first draft, his first pick ever, just to, you know, hit a double or a triple on a really good offensive tackle is a pretty good spot to be in. Yeah, I I mean, I can't – I'm not going to really add much to it. I think Paris Johnson makes too much sense for them. I mean, the only other option you could look for here is that they just value like a Broderick Jones over him, which I would totally understand. You know, both of those guys are – similar kind of freakish traits both young guys both need some technical refinement but uh have really high ceilings and kind of have that also relatively safe floor there uh at left tackle um so yeah like I said I'm not gonna spend too much adding to it I think that you probably crushed that one um so I'm on the clock at 12 here with Houston I have to go receiver here I think they're gonna have to go receiver here I mean right now They have Robert Woods as a starter. They have Nico Collins as a starter, and they have Noah Brown as a starter. Um, Behind them is John Mechie, who was a third-round pick last year, who can't really seem to get on the field, just dealing with some injuries. Um, Amari Rogers, and then a bunch of guys I haven't heard of, so I'm sure you guys haven't heard of. So I'm going to go with the top receiver in this class, Jackson Smith at Jigba. Um, Guy can come in and immediately – um, again, you know, remember they went CJ Stroud in the first round too, and and they have a good relationship with, with you know, obviously playing together at Ohio State. Uh, Smith, a Jigba guy who's going to primarily probably play out of the slot, but also has some of that Z versatility. Uh, you got guys like Nico Collins and Noah Brown who can kind of play on the outside. Robert B- Woods is an older guy that you're, you know, you're hoping can be productive for you, but has also struggled to stay healthy and, and put up consistent production for teams the last couple of years. So, I think Jackson Smith, the Jigba is a great guy to build around with CJ Stroud, Damian Pierce. Um, and they're kind of building that offense up to give it a chance to compete. And, and that's something they just have to do in Houston because it's been a it's been a disappointing uh, couple of years for Houston. So Jackson Smith, the Jigba, I think he's the best receiver on the board. And I think he gives them a dynamic um, while he's not an explosive dynamic athlete. I think he gives them a dynamic ability to that offense and has a really good relationship with his, his former quarterback in college. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's definitely a possibility. That's probably where the wide receiver window opens up is there at 12. You know, we're going to get through a run here of of several teams that could look wide receiver. Um, there's also the chance that that Houston looks at, you know, something on the defensive line to uh, to sort of go with, you know, you pick the quarterback first, you get a, def- a difference maker at quarterback, you go add a, a a Miles Murphy, a Nolan Smith, somebody like that on the defensive side of the ball, and then you sort of have these two, especially with you know D'Amico Ryan's and the way that defense leaned on just freaking goons and goblins on the defensive side of the ball in San Francisco. Just the ability to add somebody like that—that's um, a possibility there at twelve. But I think the the synergy between C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba right away is something that would benefit Houston that I think that uh, that you could get those guys on board with there pretty easily. Um, 13 for Green Bay, you know, now that they are on the clock after they no longer possess um, the uh, the Ringling Brothers and Rodgers and Bailey Circus. Um, I think here they probably look at, you know, they're not going to pick a running back in the first round. Um, I don't think they would, they don't tend to pick pass catchers in the first round. So I don't think they'll take Dalton Kincaid or anybody like that. Um, I think they probably look at Christian Gonzalez here. I think that the value lines up really well. Um, 
you plug him in on that defense with Jair Alexander, and they've got a couple other guys in the secondary um, who are who are good players. You plug Christian Gonzalez into that defense as well, and it it winds up working out pretty well. Even though if it's it's not a, a huge need for them, it matches up what they like to do from a drafting standpoint. I'll go with Christian Gonzalez here at pick thirteen for Green Bay. I like it. Like I said, the ones that it doesn't really, you know, I don't know if that's one that that most people are thinking of, but I mean, you you kind of see him, Gonzalez being a faller at that point. You know, you you pair him with Alexander, and you you've got a dynamic duo there at corner. So yeah, and that that will be some. That's something that that front office would do is they would see a guy who most people came into this thing considering a top ten pick because of the way some of this stuff has fallen. He's available at thirteen they'll take that pick for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Patriots on the clock here now at 14. I think this is probably one of my easiest picks of the draft, and that's Darnell Wright. Um, the Patriots ha- are, are currently slated to start Riley Reef at right tackle, um, who is not a very good football player. Darnell Wright is a good football player, and he is a very good right tackle, so that makes a ton of sense. He also can play guard, and they don't have a ton of – Good options at guard. Cole Strange is a starter for them. They picked way too early last year. And then Mike Unwunu uh, is their right guard, who I don't know much about. So I think that they're going to look for a guy who can play right tackle, can slide into guard if they need it, and Darnell Wright is the perfect fit for them. It is good value for them, and it just makes way too much sense. So Darnell Wright, you're a Patriot. <laughs> there you go. I, I think at, at 15 here for the Jets – this is also um, just an easy one for me too. <laughs> yeah, I, I for me it's Broderick Jones yeah. in the um, it, because they just need tackle play so bad. You know the um, the Mackay Becton pick has you know been what it's been because of you know injury and some uh, other issues is what they're what they're putting out. Uh, um, you bring Aaron Rodgers in, you put a big goon in front of him to protect him, and uh, and it's going to work out really well and. And we've talked about Broderick Jones a lot on this show for a lot of reasons. Um, there's another tackle in the city of New York who um, went to Georgia, who we, we feel like could could have a similar trajectory here with Jones. So I'm going to pick Broderick Jones for the Jets here at 15 overall. And this this sort of uh, goes along with what is probably pretty likely to happen in the early to mid-teens here. And that I think what four or five of the last five or six picks have been offensive linemen going back to Skaronsky at nine. Um, so I think there's a pretty good chance that um, that we see something like that pop up um, where a lot of these offensive linemen are going to go pretty quick once we get past that quarterback defensive line section early in the draft. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's that's another one, like I said, that uh, just seems seems like the perfect fit for them and, and makes so much sense. So, um I like it. So I have – damn, I'm getting all the NFC East teams. I had Philly, and I got Washington. Um, I have the Washington Commanders pick here at 16. Um, for me, I think, you know, they're going to be looking at corner. They're going to be looking at offensive line. Um, so you're looking at a guy like Yante Banks makes a lot of sense. Um, I think it's still a little too early for Anton Harrison. So yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to think too much. I mean, Deontay, they, they're probably real familiar with Deontay Banks. He played at Maryland, which is 30, 45 minutes away from the Redskins or the, excuse me, the commander's training facility. Um, still doing that after two years, but, uh, Deontay Banks corner out of Maryland just makes a ton of sense here. They need help at corner. Uh, they went out and signed some guys in free agency a few years ago that never really panned out for them. So I think getting a guy like Banks, who's an athletic, 
uh, physical guy with good size, good length, just doesn't really have the ball skills like we've talked about. Um, I think he makes a ton of sense for Washington, comes in, he's going to be a plug-and-play starter for them. And a guy who has a really high ceiling um, for, for a guy who can play inside out. And like I said, his ball skills are really the only thing that we haven't really gotten a chance to see. The ball production didn't really show up on tape, but man, he does a lot of the other things really well. He tested absolutely insane. He's got good size, good length. So Deontay Banks seems like a good fit here for them, um, which takes us to Pittsburgh at 17. Yeah, Pittsburgh's an interesting one because I think they they would like to get an offensive lineman here. Um, they've been playing with Dan Moore at left tackle, who is, you know, from my alma mater at AM, but is not, you know, uh, probably not what you would want to have be your starting left tackle <laughs> in the NFL in the in the year 2023. Um they probably think you know, we can get wide receiver later if we need more wide receiver help. They just picked a running back early. Um, so I think they probably wind up going uh, to the defensive side of the ball. You know, Cam Hayward is is getting up there in age. Um, Alex Highsmith is playing edge for those guys. Um, I wonder if this is a, is a landing spot for a Nolan Smith or a um, – Got Miles Murphy. That's the name I'm blanking on. Uh, a Nolan Smith or a Miles Murphy. Um, I think they probably. I'm blanking on Miles Murphy's size. Um, hold on, he's just a, a second. He's he's a he's a big dude. He's six five. He's he's the bigger dude. He's the six five two sixty type dude. Yeah, um, yeah. I think they probably they probably take Miles Murphy here um, because of the fact that you know they play with T.J. Watt on the other edge adding a bigger defensive end outside linebacker type player on the opposite side is probably a really uh, an opportunity that they would really like. Um, this is also a potential Brian Branch place, but I'm going to take Miles Murphy because I think the, uh, the edge value is, uh, is too much to pass up here. All right. I like it. I like it. I think that's a spot for Joey Porter too. Just like I said, yeah, yeah, so yeah. very, very well, could be absolutely, yep. Washington and Washington with the Maryland corner, Pittsburgh with the the Penn State corner, you know, close to home, got a good feel for him. He's he feels like a Pittsburgh style of corner too, where he's just big, long, you know, kind of a mauling dude. But um, yeah, no, I like it. I think the value makes sense there. It's a position of value, um, and they, you know, between. Between T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith, they don't have a ton of guys behind them that that add a lot of value. So that's that's a you know one that what that I could see for sure. So Detroit on the clock at eighteen, uh, we went corner with Devin Witherspoon with their first round, their first first round pick at six. So here I'm looking at, you know, you got to think, you know, wide receiver could be an option. Um, defensive line, I think, is an option. I think that's the route I'm gonna go. Uh, they picked Devin Witherspoon there uh, with the um, sixth overall pick. So they got a, a dynamic corner and the building that can come in um, and do a really a lot of really nice things for you on the outside, um, play some inside nickel if you need them to. So I'm going to bounce back and go with the upside pick here, Kalaja Kansi. Um, you know, he's a guy that can play three technique for you. You can kind of flex him outside a little bit if you need him to play some of that five tech, you know, the four eye. Um so I think he fits with what Detroit's trying to build uh, quite a bit. You know, they have some good players on the interior there that, that are more of your, you know, run stuffers that can provide some pocket pushment. 
But Kalaja Kansi is a guy who can be a dynamic pass rusher if he can figure out, um, you know, putting it all together and playing with a little bit more balance and control as a rusher. So um, I think he makes a lot of sense for them. And that really gives Detroit a, a – they had a really good offense last year, but their defense just was so up and down, so inconsistent. So that gives Detroit two um, higher-end defenders that they can pair together and start to build that defense closer to match what the offense was able to do last year. I like it. At, at 19, 19 with Tampa Bay, um, there's a chance that this, uh, you know, we, we've gotten to the point now where we're, we're reaching the point where have, have we let Hendon Hooker fall too far? Um, and, and I'm, I think maybe we have, but here at 19, I'm not going to take Hendon Hooker. Um, I, I'm going to bail ourselves out from having to save ourselves from ourselves. And I'm going to take Bijan Robinson at 19. Ooh. They're, they're really one of the teams, you know, we talked about Atlanta earlier. There's been some buzz with Atlanta, some buzz with Detroit potentially. And then with Tampa of being the teams that, uh, that would get in between Bijan and falling to 26 with the Cowboys. Dane Brugler has said over and over and over again, he doesn't believe that Bijan makes it past 26. The 26 is the floor for Bijan. So I'm going to save our, I'm going to save the Cowboys from themselves here uh, by taking Bijan at 19 for Tampa Bay. All right. All right. That's a little bit of a self-serving pick, but I'm willing to do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, Hey, I, I don't, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Um, so Seattle on the clock here at 20, um, they went, you had them taking Jalen Carter at five. I'm going to back it up. Um, and I think I'm going to go with an edge rusher here and really just start to build around that defense. Um, actually, gosh, this is such a Seattle thing to do. I'm taking Hendon Hooker here. Like, they've been rumored to draft in a quarterback in the top five with their fifth overall pick. Yep. They've done That's it a, a lot very, of you're absolutely, The way you said that, it's a very Seattle thing to do it's right there. It's such a Seattle thing to do. Like, all right, yep, we'll, absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll seem smart at first, and then we'll come back and get, you know, the, Geno Smith had a good year last year, but, man, it's just hard to see that backing up. So I wouldn't do this, but I think that this is a, a thing that, that Seattle could look to do and, um, you know, could frame it as, oh, we, we had Hooker actually graded ahead of, you know, Richardson or Levis, and he fell to us at 20. Like, I can see Pete Carroll sitting up there with John Schneider with their little – their grins on their face being like, we got our third-ranked quarterback at 20, and, and this is great. And Gino's our guy, but, you know, he's only under contract for so long. And, man, I can – it just seems like such a Seattle thing to do. I, I think you're absolutely right in that scenario. Um, here at 21, um, I'm, uh, I think line number one – for the the Chargers right here in LA has to be you got to get pass catchers for Justin Herbert. You got to get him some help. Um I think Dalton Kincaid's the pick here at this point. I think in terms of where the uh where he's likely to be ranked on teams draft boards and where he's being picked at 21 is a, a great alignment here. Um I think he's got I think he's the pick here at 21 is uh, is Dalton Kincaid. I was looking because they just really didn't add a whole lot to their offense. You know, like I thought that Dalton Schultz would be an interesting landing spot. You know, they 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 added Gerald Everett, um, which is, you know, a good player, but not a guy. They added him, what, last year I think it was, but he's just a guy that didn't really – inconsistent, I guess, is the way you, you kind of break it down with him. So, um, 
yeah, I mean, Dalton Kincaid makes a ton of sense. You know, they they might look to go receiver here. I don't, you know, Keenan Allen's kind of getting towards the end. Mike Williams is just, you know, kind of an ex-only guy who's kind of battled injuries. So I think it's a pass catcher, like you said, and I think the the value of Dalton Kincaid might outweigh your Jordan Addison's or Zay Flowers, and, and I think that makes sense for them here. So I'm with Baltimore, and this is such a tricky spot for me. Um, I just have no clue where they're going to go. You know, they signed OBJ, but their wide receiver room's still not great. Rashad Bateman struggled to stay healthy. So I'm going to go back to the wide receiver. Well, I'm going to go with Jordan Addison. Um, you know, I, I think it could be Zay Flowers. I think it could be um, Quentin Johnson. I think they're just going to pick their highest graded receiver. Um, and I think I, I, for me, it would be Zay Flowers here. Um, but I think OBJ is a guy who's going to spend a lot of time in the slot, you know, could play some of that Z. I think Bateman can kind of play all over the field. Um, I think they kind of envision Addison being able to play over the all over the field as well. So um, I'm going to go Jordan Addison. Like I said, I don't think Quentin Johnson fits in with their offense a lot just because they're not an offense that likes to take vertical deep shots a ton. They like to kind of eat up the middle of the field. Um, and that's something that Addison was able to do at USC. So I think he fits in kind of well with their offense and and, and could do some nice things in that offense uh, with Lamar Jackson if he's back. And that's still kind of to be determined. But Jordan Addison, you are a Baltimore Raven. Yeah, and they, they don't have a second round pick this year. So it will be getting a, getting another pass catching option, another weapon there uh, for Lamar um, on a cost control basis because Lamar is going to be expensive all that kind of stuff. I think it makes a lot of sense there. Um, for Minnesota, I think they're going to take Brian. If this scenario plays out, they're going to take Brian Branch here. Their defensive secondary is just so bad. Um, they need a guy who they, – they basically just need guys who can play coverage and who can make plays on the back end of the defense. And uh, Harrison Smith's getting older. He's probably in his last hurrah there. Um, add Brian Branch to that mix and just have a guy who um, – have a guy who can make plays in the, on the defense. I like it. All right, so this is the Jaguars pick at 24, and I think this is pretty easy for them. Um, I'll say it's easy. You know, the, the the tough thing here is, honestly, the tough thing here is, do they go back to the same well that they went to last year? Um, and that's my only concern because, I mean, for me, it's like Nolan Smith's here at 24. Like, what are, what are we waiting on? Let's turn in the card. But they did draft um, Trevon Walker last year. Uh, they brought Caleb Von Chason still there. Um, Josh Allen still there. So they they don't really. I don't think they have a big big of a need as edge. But man, this is one of those spots where it's just like a guy's falling to you that you. I don't know if you can pass up. Um, they need interior offensive line help. They need uh, some defensive back help. I think they would be a team that would love to add a Brian Branch to their team. He goes kind of right in front of them. Um, this is a tough one because I was kind of thinking no brainer Nolan Smith, but they have some, they have some more pass rush there than, than I think they need. Um, man, this is tough. Joey Porter still on the board. What do you think? What do you think? Let, let me get your opinion on this. Where do you think Jacksonville could lean here? Yeah, I think one of the things that they did a lot last year is they played a lot of 12 personnel with, um, with a tight end, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but who was played him with Evan Ingram, who was a little bit more of a traditional inline blocking tight end. Um, but I also think, you know, they don't have a whole lot in terms of really high quality corners. Um, and, 
you know, like you said, with with Trayvon Walker there, Josh Allen there, um, they've got some some pretty decent um, pass rush pieces. So um, I think it's probably between Joey Porter and Michael Mayer here, um, just in terms of in terms of who they, especially with Brian Branch going right before him. I think Brian Branch makes a ton of sense as you know, a, a, just a playmaking defensive back. Right here in this range is a, such a great range for a player like that to get picked. Um, I, I think that's. I think there's a there's a, a lot of a lot of opportunity there for them. I think they probably feel really good about where they're sitting right now. And um, and you know, and I don't know what you've got a trade option here. I don't know what trade option this is, but I wonder if a team like Buffalo, with New York and the Cowboys coming up back to back looks at this and says, you know, we still have Zay Flowers, Quentin Johnson. Maybe they have a really big grade on one of those guys, and they want to come up and get in front of New York taking those guys. Um, there's there's that possibility that exists there, too, if, if Jacksonville is going to move back. It's, it's throwing me off, too, because when I look at, like, what, you know, you can, on PFF you can look at the analysis, like what players are getting picked the most. And what Edge is the most – picked position for Jacksonville by fans doing this. And then it's safety and then corner. Um, I'm going to go with Joey Porter. I mean, I know they got Tyson Campbell there, who's kind of a similar, maybe a little bit similar version of him, you know, athletic, big, long guy. Um, But I think, you know, Joey Porter, I mean, man, it's just, (laughs) I I can't see Nolan Smith being there at 26. Um, I'm trying to decide if I just, I'm going to go Nolan Smith. I mean, it looks like edge is a position that's, being picked a lot for them for whatever reason. I mean, it looks like they have a decent little, um, a decent little uh, depth chart with, with edges, but man, like miles Murphy's been selected here a lot. Lucas Van Ness selected here a lot. Nolan Smith's been selected here a lot. And that's the, that they've picked it. You know, they're out of all the picks and edge rushers been picked here the most at 36.7% of the time. So I'm reading off the base of the, the, the beat of the fan base a little bit here, but I'm going to go with Nolan Smith here at 24. And, you know, I think that that's another, another spot like we talked about a few minutes ago that a guy just fell to you that you didn't think would be there. You know, you picked a, a guy from Georgia last year early at Trayvon Walker at number one overall, he, he had a good season for you. So you go back to the well and hope you can strike, you know, gold twice, two years in a row. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I think that's probably one of those scenarios that they probably didn't see coming and they just let it fall in their lap. And that's what good teams do. And I don't know if Jacksonville qualifies as a good team yet, (laughs) a good organization yet, but, uh, but I think there's a a really good chance there that something like that would, would, would come to. So at 25, I'm the first non- uh, non-Connor NFC East pick here, um, and I, I've I've got some options here. I think the you know the big gaping hole that you look at with their roster is at wide receiver, where they just have like ninety thousand slot receivers on their team. Um, so there's there's a thought that hey, do you take Quentin Johnson here, who is the polar opposite of everything else they have in terms of size profile? but still fits in their offense in terms of run after catch can be the underneath guy, that kind of stuff. Um, Or did they look at an opportunity to take, you know, I'll say it this way, their right cornerback on our lads right now is listed as Cordell flock. 
I don't think Cordell Flott is keeping Joey Porter off the field in a in the context, especially that this is a Wink Martindale cover zero, cover one, blitz and play man coverage defense. The idea of plugging Joey Porter on the outside in that scenario makes a ton of sense to me. And they did, they just traded for Darren Waller. So they're not going to pick Michael Mayer here as much as I would like to make that pick and save the Cowboys from themselves again. Um, I think probably here, let's see, what is their next pick? Let me look real quick. Um, efforting here. So they've got 57 and 89. So they've got their second and their third round picks. Um, I think they would probably take Joey Porter here, even though it doesn't match up with a huge need, um, at least from what they believe. Uh, But it it is a pick that gets made relatively often. You're showing it on my screen right now. About 12% of the time they pick a corner, uh, 53% of the time they take a wide receiver. Um, But I I think Joey Porter goes in the top 25 somewhere. Um, So I'm going to pick Joey Porter here just because I think more than likely – in some combination of players, he's gone. And I think the fit works really well with Wink Martindale uh, at cornerback. All right, Joey Porter, you are a giant. And I am on the clock with the Dallas Cowboys. And if this plays out the way it is, I think it's a nice little way out for them. They have Michael Mayer, who we know they really, really like. They have Quentin Johnson, an ex-receiver from TCU that I think they like and that they might have some interest in. Um, they have Zay Flowers still around, who's a guy that they've been rumored to quite a bit. Um, they still have Osiris Torrance. They have Will McDonald. They have Emmanuel Forbes. They have Anton Harrison. So they have multiple ways to go. Um, but if this plays out, I mean, I, I I think the pick's Michael Mayer. I think, I think in my opinion, Dalton Kincaid will probably be gone by the time they get on the clock. And I think if Michael Mayer's there at 26, I think he will be the selection. Um if he's available. And and I think that's just the big question there is if he's around, um, will he be the guy that, that, that they, if he's, if he's not there, where do they pivot then too? But if he is there, he will be the pick in my opinion, unless you have a faller like a Nolan Smith or Joey Porter who didn't go right ahead of us and they fall, maybe they'll, maybe they'll have a CD lamb like pivot. But in this scenario and the way that I think they maybe hope it plays out, I think Michael Mayer makes a ton of sense here at 26, and I'm going to go ahead and put in the pick for him. So, Michael Mayer, you are the newest addition to the Dallas Cowboys. There we go. All right, for Buffalo at 27, I think there's not a whole lot more that needs to be said about the Michael Mayer Dallas Cowboys pick. It's It's been made – you know, more time. I'm sure if we would have looked at the analysis on the uh, the Michael Mayer um, Dallas Cowboys pick, it would have uh, been overwhelming at this point how often he gets picked there. Yeah. Um, I think for for the Bills, I think probably Emmanuel Forbes is the guy who makes a lot of sense here. Um, they do have some uh, some linebacker vacancy because of uh, Edmonds leaving in free agency, but I don't think there's a linebacker unless they were to take maybe Drew Sanders. That one makes um, so much sense to me because of the way that Tremaine Edmonds played. Like, yeah, you know what? Now that I say that, I think Drew Sanders makes a ton of sense here, um, just in terms of the value. I don't think he's a guy that winds up getting all the way down to you know, the the second round to the 40s. Somebody, because this is a phenomenon that happens a lot in the league, somebody is going to see what happened with 
Micah Parsons in Dallas, and they're going to see Drew Sanders having played both edge and off-ball linebacker at a relatively high level in the highest levels of college football, and they're going to say, I'm going to pick him and I'm going to use him like Micah Parsons and hope that they can get that same level of production. Um, And if you compare him coming off the edge in pass rush situations with Von Miller coming back healthy, maybe you're, maybe you're cooking with gas. I'm going to take Drew Sanders here. I don't know how likely that is to happen, but I really like the fit um, with the player and the, uh, and the team here in terms of, in terms of that, that group. Yeah, no, I like it. That's who I went with in my mock draft and my draft guide. I just, I think that, you know, they could go Emmanuel Forbes. You know, they, they'd probably love to have a Joey Porter fall to him. But there it's kind of like, man, we're, we're at the back end of the first. This linebacker class isn't very good. We might not get a chance to get our hands on another one. Let's get a guy who I think we can plug in and play right where Tremaine Edmonds left and be a good player for us. So makes a lot of sense. Um, Cincinnati on the clock here at 28. Um, I think they can go multiple different routes to tight end, uh, defensive back. Um, for me – I mean, I, I think that, you know, they're probably not happy that Michael Mayer just went in front of them. I'm going to go – I'm going to go with Emmanuel Forbes here. I think he makes a ton of sense. You know, they were they were playing, what, Eli Apple for a good portion of the year uh, last year. Um, you know, they could look at defensive tackle, Mozzie Smith. I think that makes a lot of sense for them too. Um, but no, I think, I think Emmanuel Forbes makes a ton of sense. I mean, Cheeto has been hurt for them. They got Tam, Cam Taylor Britt playing, um, as well. So for me, I'm going to go, you know, Mike Hilton's or nickel. And it does make a lot of sense to go Mozzie Smith. I'm going to go Mozzie Smith here. Actually. I think that actually makes a little bit more sense for them. Um, I think this corner class is deep. Maybe they feel like they can wait on it. I mean, right now they're they got BJ Hill and DJ Reader as their two starting tackles, and then behind them it's pretty look it's looking pretty rough. So Mozzie Smith's a guy that uh Mozzie Smith's a guy who I think can play some of the nose tackle for them, can play some of that three technique for them. It gives them quality depth and it gives them athletic upside. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Mozzie Smith here with the twenty eighth overall pick. Yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. Somebody to put on the interior, whether it's Brian Breezy or Mozzie Smith or whoever you make that pick there, that makes a ton of sense, especially if the tight end is off the board. Because one of the things they've done on defense is they've used these sort of mid-level free agent defensive acquisitions to build that defense. It's been really good the last few years. But as they prepare for the world where – Joe Burrow makes $55 million a year and Jamar Chase makes 25 or $30 million a year. Um, their entire defense is going to have to be on rookie contracts essentially. Um, and so they, they're going to have to really focus on defense a lot over the course of the next few drafts. Um, and so I think we'll see that shift happen for them uh, over the course of the next few, uh, next few drafts. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So you got four, four New Orleans here at 29. Um, this is a, a really interesting spot for me. They just took a first round wide receiver last year. They traded up to take Chris Olave. Um, they were able to bring Michael Thomas back, but who knows what in the world Michael Thomas is at this point. Um, they went and got Derek Carr. The defense is getting older. <laughs> like it, it's one of those really hard. Like how long can you can can you count on Cameron Jordan to be Cameron Jordan? 
Um, I'm a little bit stumped here by New Orleans because I think New Orleans probably would have traded up into the middle of the first round to draft Nolan Smith or something like that if, the, if it played out this way. Um, you know what? Actually, I think I think the pick makes a lot of sense. Will McDonald is still available. Um, and I think, like I was saying, you can't count on Cameron Jordan to be Cameron Jordan for all that much longer. Um, the... Uh, Who's the the small school defensive end that they picked to Marcus Davenport, Marcus Davenport yeah. didn't didn't work out um, the way they wanted him to, and he, you now he's moved on. Um, they still have some guys in the secondary, even if they are a little bit older. Um, I think they probably pick Will McDonald here in this scenario, and um, and they probably feel pretty good about adding him to what has been a pretty good defense. They do have a defensive head coach uh, there now. So, uh, so I think that's probably I, – I, I like that pick a little bit more as I talk myself into it here. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, all right, I'm back on the clock with Philly. They went with Lucas Van Ness with their first pick. So I think now they're going to be looking at some offensive line help. They're going to be looking at possibly a receiver to add to the mix with A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. Um, and I think they're going to look at Zay Flowers. Um, he makes so much sense. Philly was in an interesting spot last year because they used Smith on the outside quite a bit, but he kind of, I mean, AJ Brown and Smith are both guys like AJ Brown's was like your, I feel like he was one of the first guys we used as that like power slot type of guy, but like he's played on the outside a lot more in Philly than he did in Tennessee. Devontae Smith's the guy that moves all around the field. Um, but they just, ha- they don't have that pure slot guy that can just get in the slot and Zay Flowers can move around too. Um, but the pure slot explosive guy that can make plays down the field. Um, and I, I think he makes a ton of sense for them. And that's, that's, that's a scary sight for Philly when you can add his explosiveness and his vertical ability to what they're able to do with AJ, um, Brown and Devonte Smith. But I mean, they got Quez Watkins in the slot. Who's been pretty disappointing for them. I think, uh, when he was supposed to kind of take over as a more, starting caliber receiver. So I think they might upgrade there um, and get some really good value here with Zay Flowers. Yeah, that's one of those. It's a scary thought. You know, I'm sure they would give some thought to, you know, we talked about the four positions that they pick in the first round. You know, wide receiver is one of those. I wonder if they might look at it and say, you know, that would make three first round picks in the last two years that we spent on wide receivers between Devontae, A.J. Brown, and now Zay. I wonder if they would look at, an offensive tackle with the idea that, um, you know, Lane Johnson did come back, but this team, they like to succession plan, man. We saw them do it with the center last year. You know, Jason Kelsey comes back this year, but they like to succession plan on the, on the offensive line. They tried it with, um, with Jason Peters and um, Andre Dillard when they took him uh, out of Washington state a few years ago. So I wonder if that's a spot where you look at, uh, you know, potentially a, um, I sent my team representative back as he was approaching the stand. I'm going to go with Anton Harrison here. Um, Anton Harrison played solely left tackle for Oklahoma last year. He had like 58 reps at right tackle. And I think they're probably looking for more of a right tackle slash guard with an offensive lineman because, you know, to, to take over for Lane Johnson, like you said, but a guy who could play guard in a pinch, you know, they got Cam Jurgens at one guard spot, Landon Dickerson at the other. 
Jordan Mailata has had some injury issues over the past couple of years. So I think Anton Harrison can kind of fit in as a possible starter, but a really good depth player and swing player at multiple spots for them. So I'm, I'm going to take Anton Harrison here for Philly. Um, I think they might look to go to offensive line early, uh, defensive line, offensive line early, and then, you know, whichever one they don't get early, they might go too late. Most of the defensive linemen have went, um, you know, so that it's kind of that spot now where you're, you're kind of stuck at, Hey, where do we go? And Anton Harrison's good value here. Um, I think, you know, I think receivers in play with Philly, but I think it does make sense. The more you talked about it, the more it talked me into it. I think Anton Harrison makes a ton of sense for Philadelphia um, at 30th overall pick. So you are closing it out here with Kansas city on the clock with the last pick in the first round. Yeah. I think Kansas city's in a really fun spot now where they now have, Zay Flowers on the board. They have Quentin Johnson on the board. There's not a whole ton of defensive line options. Brian Breezy's a guy there that they might would feel good about taking, but they, I don't know if interior is the spot that they necessarily really need. They just need help, you know, on the edge as much as anything. Um, I think here, they, they, they don't necessarily care about size as much as some of the other teams do. Um, but, they also did – they just took – Sky. they've got a bunch of small receivers on their team already. Um, I wonder if this is this is where the Quentin Johnson fall ends and Kansas City takes Quentin Johnson, which um, that's a uh, that's a pretty scary idea there of uh, of Quentin Johnson there at the bottom of the first round to the to the Chiefs to go with um, to go with Patrick Mahomes and and Travis Kelsey and what what he's able to do there. So I, I think I'm going to take Quentin Johnson there. Um, at the end of the first round for Kansas City, um, even though I would not be surprised at all if this scenario played out and Zay Flowers was the pick. I just, I'm just i going to go with a little different body type than what they already have and take Quentin Johnston. Yeah, Zay Flowers kind of feels a lot like Sky Moore last year, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he does. You know, a little bit of a souped-up version of him, but you get, in those, you get in those scenarios and you're like, you know, is is Zay Flowers in year one with no NFL experience a better player right now than Sky Moore is with one year of NFL experience in the system, speaking the language, catching balls from Patrick Mahomes, all that kind of stuff. That's sort of where some of these conversations get interesting for sure. Yeah. All right, so let's recap it real quick, then we'll get out of here. Uh, real quick, I got to do this just because – I have to, but if you have not, please go to my Twitter account and purchase my 2023 NFL draft guide. If you haven't, you got pretty much 24 hours to kind of take a peek at that boy, read up on it, and then use it throughout the draft. So uh, just go to my Twitter account. It's my pinned tweet. Uh, you can follow the ways to to, to purchase it, seven bucks, um, and provides some pretty good information. I think I'm biased, but um, all right, so let's recap this bad boy. So Carolina went Bryce Young, quarterback out of Alabama at one. The Texans went C.J. Stroud, quarterback out of Ohio State at two. Arizona goes Will Anderson Jr., the edge rusher out of Alabama at three. Indianapolis Colts go Will Levis, quarterback Kentucky uh, with the fourth overall pick. The Seattle Seahawks uh, take Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle out of Georgia with the fifth overall pick. The Detroit Lions take Devin Witherspoon, the Illinois cornerback with the sixth overall pick. The Las Vegas Raiders take Anthony Richardson, the quarter, uh, the quarterback out of Florida with the seventh overall pick. Uh, the eighth overall pick, the Atlanta Falcons select Tyree Wilson, um, the Texas Tech edge rusher. Um, with the ninth overall pick, the Chicago Bears take Peter Skaronsky, the offensive lineman out of Northwestern. 
the 10th overall pick, the Philadelphia Eagles select Lucas Van Ness, the edge rusher out of Iowa. Uh, with the 11th overall pick, the Tennessee Titans select Paris Johnson Jr., the offensive lineman out of Ohio State. With the 12th overall pick, the Houston Texans select Jackson Smith, the Jigba, the wide receiver out of Ohio State. 13th overall pick, the Green Bay Packers select Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback out of Oregon. 14th overall pick, Darnell Wright, the Tennessee tackle. Uh, offensive lineman with the 15th overall pick the Jets select Broderick Jones the tackle out of Georgia the 16th overall pick the Washington Commanders select Deontay Banks the cornerback out of Maryland and Joey I'm gonna let you read off the rest caught me off guard there uh the last one you read was uh was we're at 17 17 Miles Murphy the edge from Clemson Kalijah Kansi at 18 to Detroit, the uh, interior defensive lineman from Pitt, uh, Bijan Robinson, the Texas running back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, Hendon Hooker, the quarterback from Tennessee, goes to Seattle, which, like you said, is a very Seattle thing to do to pick a high-level defensive player um, and then come back around to a quarterback. Dalton Kincaid, uh, the tight end from Utah, goes to Kellen Moore and Justin Herbert and the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Jordan Addison to the Baltimore Ravens to play with Odell Beckham and Lamar Jackson. Brian Branch, the safety from Alabama, goes to Minnesota. Nolan Smith, the edge from Georgia, goes to Jacksonville. Joey Porter Jr., the corner from Penn State, goes to the Giants, followed by Michael Mayer, uh, the tight end from Notre Dame, going to the Cowboys. I can't see on your screen. There we go. Uh, Drew Sanders, the linebacker from Arkansas, who I think will also be, you know, a, po- a topic of conversation for the Cowboys, goes right behind them to Buffalo at 27. Mozzie Smith goes 28 to Buff or to Cincinnati. Zay Flowers goes 30, but Will McDonald's goes 29 to New Orleans. Again, Zay Flowers goes. Anton, or excuse Anton me, Harrison, not Zay Flowers. Anton Anton Harrison, yes, goes. Uh, offensive tackle from Oklahoma goes to the Eagles and Quentin Johnston goes 31st overall to the chiefs. So uh, I think that's a, you know, I don't think any of those picks are outlandish for where we took them. I think that there are some things that wound up playing out that, you know, the, the, the Hendon hooker falling all the way to 20, um, which, you know, a couple of months ago, that wouldn't have felt like a fall for him. That would have felt like a pretty high level pick for him, but based on what we're hearing right now, um, feels like he might get pushed up the board. Joey Porter being available, Joey Porter and Nolan Smith, that whole little stretch of 23, 24, 25 of Brian Branch, Nolan Smith, Joey Porter feels like those three defensive players could have gone a lot earlier, but none of the picks we made, you know, felt outlandish. So I don't don't think it's um, outside the realm of possibility that it, it goes somewhat similar to this. The draft starts for the Cowboys at 20. That's what I'll say. I think that. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think because if Hendon Hooker doesn't go there, I think that that's a landed spot for Nolan Smith, you know, player like that. They really look to rebuild their defense, reduce the defense. The Chargers pivot and go Zay Flowers, you know, at 21 or receiver at 21. Then you start to look at that Dalton Kincaid fall. Um, you know, it, it, a lot of things can change in those six or seven picks right there at, at 19 or 20. And and they can be good or they can be, you know, oh, man, we're stuck looking at and, – and not that this is an awful thing, but a lot of things can happen where you're stuck at 26 going, man, the, the 
Will McDonald or Steve Avila makes the most sense here. And while I don't hate either one of those players, that's probably like my, that's like my mediocre face. You know, if that's the pick where it's like, okay, I'll take it. But man, I was really looking forward to somebody else there. Yeah, I think that's the I think that's the uh, the appropriate reaction is that that's probably the floor for the Cowboys is that scenario where you know instead of Hendon Hooker going at twenty, Nolan Smith goes at twenty, and that the replacement for Nolan Smith at twenty four is uh, is Michael Mayer going to twenty four to the Jaguars and somewhere up in that range maybe at twenty five. Um, you get uh, you get Zay Flowers going there, and so you're left with you know Joey Porter's a, a really good consolation prize if he's there at 26. But that's sort of the moral of the story is that you're going to have some really good players that you like at 26 um, if it falls a different way, but you may not be able to align the value with the need and all that kind of stuff that you're really hoping to be able to do in the first round. You're sort of taking a you know what this is a really good player he's going to come in and he's going to be a part of our team. He may not be a difference maker right away, but he's going to be he's going to be a quality player. Uh, and so I think I, I'll add the 19th overall pick because you, you got to hope Bijan goes before that or goes at or before that 19th pick because if he gets past 20 or if he gets past 19, I think he's making it all the way to you, and that's a uh, that's a scenario we hope to avoid. I think. All right, I'm going to close it with this. I want your thoughts on it, just because we we've, we've talked about this plenty. But give me the one one or two word emotion that you're letting out or expressing if B. John Robinson is the pick at 26 overall. Uh, I think the best way to describe it would just be like a sigh. Like because because I think we talked about this the other the other day. Like, like if they draft B. John Robinson, it's not like you're like, this guy sucks. You know, it's not like you're it's it's not like we were with Tyler Smith last year. We're like, man, we don't know if this guy's any good. It's just, it's like you said, like it's kind of like the, ugh. but also in the back of your mind, I feel like everybody, me, you are kind of like, guys got the potential to be dynamic. It's just, we say that a lot with these guys and it doesn't plan out as much as we hope it would. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those like, okay, we're, we're going to do this again. Like we just made the running back pick in the first round seven years ago. And it turned into a contract that got too big and a role that got too small. And it really happened in like year four. It didn't happen in year seven. Like it right. happened in year four or five and they just held on because of the contract. Um, so are, are we really going to do this again? That would, so that's sort of my reaction to the idea of B. John Robinson is it's just like, okay, and we're going to take I, I another low to... value position here at, at, in the first round like we've done for a decade. Right. And I just wanted to, I guess – not get you to like say that because I, I I know you're not. I think some people just think because I feel I feel very similar to you. Let me let me put that out there right now. Like I'm not not totally on the other end of the spectrum than you are by any means. But I think some people think when we say those things that we're saying this guy isn't any good or like no way in hell are we okay with this pick. And I don't think that's what any of us are saying. We're just going, hey, um, probably better places you could have used the pick. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and it's one of those that. If they make the pick, I'll be rooting like crazy for him to rush for two thousand yards and all that other kind of stuff. But you know, I, it's one I think, of those. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Somebody this morning um, is Derek Classen. Derek Classen this morning put put out a tweet like, 
it kind of sucks when you have a, and I, I agreed with them at the same time, but I also understand the other side of things. Like he put out a tweet this morning that was like, it kind of sucks when you have a player of B. John Robinson's caliber, like how talented he is, how good the tape is. And then like, <laughs> we're all spending time talking about why you shouldn't draft the guy. And it's like, you hate that, but there's a position value part part of doing this. And that's why that's being done. But it's also like, I kind of understood where he was coming from where you're like, man, you wish you could just appreciate the talent, but at the same time, like understand the position value. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those where like, if he becomes the pick for the Cowboys, just like, you know, when, when Tyler Smith became the pick for the Cowboys and we were all sort of unsure about what the pick would, how the pick would work out. It goes from, hey, we're not sure how this is going to work out. Maybe this wasn't a good idea to, well, I hope like crazy he's really dang good because the Cowboys right. used a big pick on him, and I hope it works out. And that's yeah. sort of that's sort of the dynamic that happens once the pick is in. Is we we might be you know a little disappointed for a little while, but eventually it will turn to they're going to be on the field, and we're going to get all the tweets of all the John Machota videos of how great he looks in training camp, and everybody's going to feel a lot better about it until we get two or three years down the road and he's upset about his money and all that. <laughs> all right, Joey, we went super long today, so hopefully people are still hanging around with us. But if not, we're going to be back after the draft to, to kind of recap the whole bad boy, put a bow on it. So we appreciate everyone following along this whole draft season. Um, we, You know, the support the people, you know, the questions we get from some of the stuff we've talked about on here, I always, I always in, the, enjoy the draft season because I think it gives us – a chance to like get fans thoughts, you know, we're all fans in this thing, but like we have more interaction, I think during draft season than during the regular season. So I always appreciate that interaction and like that interaction as well. But thank you guys so much for, for, be, you know, being around with us this whole draft season. We're going to be around with you guys post draft too. Um, and like I said, if you haven't already, please do go to my, my Twitter profile, purchase my draft guide. I'll appreciate that. And I hope it's a useful tool for you during this week and weekend as the draft's here. And like I said, by the time this hits your ears, you'll be a little more than 24 hours away. But uh, as Joey said earlier, one more sleep and we're here. So uh, you guys have a fun draft weekend, a safe draft weekend, and we'll be uh, following along with you guys all week online and um, possibly on some YouTube channels and all that stuff like that. So we, we will be in touch with you guys throughout the weekend to – continue to get a pulse on the fan base and how things are going and, and, and looking forward to, to seeing what happens and seeing who becomes a Cowboy. So we will see you guys next week on the Talking the Draft Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a good one.